All right. What is up? This is Dominic D'Angelo of Ad Free Shows and SE Scoops, and welcome back to Rumor and Innuendo. And I am here with none other than Robert Karpolis, also known as WWE Creative-ish on Twitter. Robert, hey, nice to meet you, man. Man, it feels great to be back, Dom. Welcome to the show. Let's let I want to start it out here with a, a shout out to Stalwart Mike Malaro says, Welcome back. Mixed my daily news fix. And also, Mr. I am Mr. Cheeseball Productions. Will we get apologies to Billy and the CW? Stay tuned, man. Let's see what happens. It's just great to be here. It is good to be here. And it's uh it's uh very nice to take the helm here. Uh, I'd like to thank Nick Hausman. Uh, he did bring me into WrestleZone into the wrestling writing world. So uh, taking up the mantle here is pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, Robert, I'm just happy to be joining you, man. Dude, I am excited, excited to be back. Uh, you guys know the drill folks. It's 30 minutes. We don't have a lot of time. Let's get right into things. Yeah, absolutely. So what we'll be talking about today is, uh, Tony Khan addresses his like scorched earth kind of tweeting that he's been doing as a recent. Uh, so he, he spoke during Super Bowl week. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about AEW revolution kind of taking some shape and we've seen some matches, uh, take form here. Also Okada likely heading to AEW. It seems, uh, from some reports that we've heard, uh, not only that, but, uh, elimination chamber taking a little bit more shape too, as we see Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre qualifying for elimination chamber match. Then obviously we're going to kick everything off here with the WrestleMania kickoff presser and the therein fallout that happened on uh, SmackDown. So um, Robert, I know you talked about this on uh, Wrestle Roast and uh, you got, you guys broke it down there and got, gave your opinions, but uh, give me your thoughts overall on what you thought of the press conference. You, you watch it on television. I was there live. So I want the different perspective. I did. I'm glad you didn't try to rush the stage and also issue your own challenge to uh, Roman Reigns. But what a unique, interesting presentation by WWE to do this sort of an event. I, I think back, the, probably the most iconic kickoff was the press conference with Mike Tyson all the way back for WrestleMania 14. And then what you're seeing here in a full arena with a stage, with entrances, where you had Punk and Big E and Pat McAfee and Michael Cole, this felt like a, a truncated episode of Raw, where they just gave you promos. And I thought that the layout of how are we getting out of this situation was the real intrigue. You know, since we went away, we kept talking all along. We're like, all right, it feels like we're going to get Roman and Rock. At some point, we were going to get Roman and Cody at WrestleMania. And now you found yourself in the situation where it's it's an embarrassment of riches. And the way they presented it, by making it seem like you were going to get Roman and The Rock, they put up that graphic of the bloodline that I know took the graphics team a hell of a lot of time to, to put out there and saying, here's this great story we're going to tell. And then they yank it up from under you and you get Cody saying, nah, -uh, I'm taking this shot. They changed the graphic over. Chaos ensued. You had The Rock cursing. On TV, this looked like a major, major event. What was it like being in the room? So it was interesting. Uh, like uh, how we got all fouled in and everything. With The media got some really good seating, to be honest. And uh, But then you had the crowds on each, on each wing of yourself. And then there was some VIP seating that people paid extra money for and stuff that was like on the floor with us. But it was kind of interesting to try to hear who they were chanting for exactly because people were chanting for Rock 
and then people were chanting for Cody and trying to break that down was kind of intriguing. And so everything coming out from the presentation standpoint, I'm with you hundred percent being there live. It was such a spectacle and a very, very kind of cool, uh, being the T-Mobile arena, it still felt like an intimate atmosphere that was still going on, but still a huge, huge spectacle. And um, I will say, though, like all that outgoing stuff that kind of happened from my perspective, and I don't know how a lot of my other media colleagues kind of felt or anything like that. I thought it was like, oh, that's kind of it. Like it didn't pack as much as the punch being there as live. I think the storyline aspect of it all from it all kind of unfolding. Um, it seemed very cool and, you know, everything to that effect, but like going back, the, the most I hear about it, seeing it on television and how it was like, I'm hearing pretty universal praise over it and how it was executed. I mean, you, you come out of that show and you realize you have so many different options that you can pivot to, whether that is, uh, a tag match that people keep seem to keep saying personally, I don't want to see a tag match, but I know that's an option, right? double back and go to Roman and the rock. They, they were teasing very heavily on SmackDown with Hunter's comments, this idea of who's really in charge, who's running things. And the idea of a TV version of a real life power struggle, it's really, really intriguing. So you could always go down that path. You still want to see Cody against Roman. You could, you could do Cody against the rock. I mean, that, that you know, you say you didn't pack much of a punch in the in the building, but the slap when 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 sorry when Rock hit Cody, a lot of R's in the situation right. hit Cody, and Paul Heyman immediately turned into a meme with his face. He did. He went. You could throw everything out the window and go Rock Cody, and I think people would theoretically be pretty happy about it. Well, Robert, to that point, it's like they really set that up. I mean, like the visual of that aspect of the Rock staring down Cody it felt like that's the match you were going to get. <laughs> like, you know, he did challenge Roman, but you're seeing them, those two stare one another down. And that's where the real kind of feeling of the heat between two people really is at this juncture, I think. So I I wouldn't be shocked if they did try to maybe do something to that effect where maybe Cody has to earn his way to get through to Roman. I don't know. There's a lot of things, but I, I'm sure you saw that uh, vignette of uh, this, that the, the video package that they put together of um, Seth, uh, Cody and then Roman and uh, Rock all kind of squaring off for that WrestleMania promo. Did you happen to catch that? That's I kind did. of implying a tag match almost. It is because right now Seth is in some ways, at least coming out of that press conference, the forgotten fourth yeah. man. The the Drew stuff is really what's kind of saving Seth Rollins and trying to keep him relevant. This idea that Drew is the puppet master who's orchestrated all of this, but Seth Rollins being consistently denigrated by Roman as you have the secondary title, you're the least consequential person here. It feels like they're setting up something. And this is the caveat I will, I will give you, Dom. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm saying this as former WWE writer, I feel a sense of faith in what they are putting together right now more than I probably ever have because I think they are actually thinking through what is going on TV and what are the ramifications of it? I have seen it in the past where we have an idea, we have a plan, Vince throws it out the window, changes it last minute, or one of the agents or Pat or somebody who's not privy to where we're going changes it up. 
And then you're going, well, how do we scramble and fix it? I think everything right now is being done with intention. And the story that we are getting to Mania, I think will really wind up helping Seth. That's my that's my hope, that this is all intentional. The You don't get as big a pop as we do. Uh, they're not our friends in AEW who sometimes go way too personal in their attacks yeah. where it's you're bad on the mic and the ratings drop when you're on there. And you're like, well, you're right. But at least with <laughs> Seth, yeah, it's a little bit like maybe we are getting some. Maybe they want you to say, I want to see Roman versus Seth night one in a unification match. I don't know. Yeah, it's I think, too. Um, and being there, uh, I really took eyes on the Seth and how he was reacting during this whole like uh, confrontation and stuff like that, because he was pushed to the side basically. But I really liked his body language and how he was kind of reacting off of the rock and what, what was being said back and forth. And, you know, it, it was unfortunate. I think that uh, world heavyweight championship kind of was like, uh, let's forget about that. Almost. It felt like, but then um, yeah, but to your point, I think, you know, you don't have a wild card like Vince in there and now you have, somebody with a sound mind of triple H that, that really thinks things through and everything. And if you're, everybody's on the same page, there can be some setup and I'm sure that's not going to be forgotten about the world heavyweight championship and kind of making that feel like a bigger, bigger deal. And um, I think the way Seth handles himself moving forward is ultimately going to help that. Um, do you think how, what certain, before we get to the next topic, what do you think about uh, how, how in the best way would you heat up that world heavyweight championship again and make it feel like, that level almost i mean drew has done such a masterful job over the last few weeks of making himself reinvented and relevant and making his quest to win the world heavyweight title that much more important the fact that the elimination chamber winner gets to face seth rollins you now get to tell that story going into the show in perth all of these qualifying matches have heft and importance because all these guys want the title the fact that you're really narrowing this story and saying Cody wants a very specific title to achieve a very specific narrow dream because his father was never WWE champion. So he wants to win the exact title that Dusty didn't. That's how you're avoiding this, this marginalized component of it, that Cody went back and forth and Seth made a compelling argument and Cody thought, Hey, this makes sense, but I want that. Seth establishing the world heavyweight title as being important. And the fact that Drew is this master manipulator in his mind. And I think that McIntyre versus Seth, which I'm assuming that's where we're going here. Let's, let's be realistic is going to be a very deep personal story because yes, we've seen these guys wrestle before, but not with this particular dynamic. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's very interesting. And we'll talk about that uh, coming up here. But first, we got to talk about a little bit of Bluetooth, Robert, what do we got happening here? Yes, indeed. Let me, uh, let me go as a good segment to get the, the copy up here. Guys, it's like dusting <laughs> off. It's like dusting off uh, a comfortable robe, wrapping it back on because this episode is brought to you by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex. Enough about Cody getting screwed almost. We're talking about actual sex here. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of a cost. Best of all, it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. 
you guys listen to all the different shows here on ad free shows. You have heard sung from the rafters, all of our, our hosts, the fans that have chimed in, how successful they have been with blue chew. Blue chew is never going to let you down. And we Dom and I are such generous folks, guys. We have a special offer for you. Try blue chew free. When you use our promo code rumor at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code rumor to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the return of rumor and innuendo. Yeah, dude. It's a, Blue Chew is obviously a stalwart in wrestling podcasting, and it's an honor to have them here on Rumor and Innuendo. So. It has replaced Ico Pro as the most iconic brand tied to professional wrestling. And unlike Ico Pro, guys, Blue Chew actually works. That's right. That's totally it. That's totally it. Um, I guess, yeah, before I, I, I forgot to bring up this point, too, at, at the previous one, CM Punk and Big E on commentary. Um, he... Punk really laid into everybody that was involved in that press conference. A lot of ways. Uh, give me your perspective on that before I talk. We talk about elimination chamber again. So, I've been saying for a while now, Biggie, who's been in sideline with his his neck issues, is the perfect guy to step in and be a commentator. I've advocated putting him on NXT because he's been out scouting talent. Him and Punk had such chemistry together. And enthusiasm and CM Punk while being injured in his commentary made me realize I still want to see CM Punk versus Seth the way they talked about each other. I want to see CM Punk challenge Roman Reigns. I wouldn't mind seeing CM Punk go up against Cody Rhodes with him being critical of how Cody handled things. And the way that he went after The Rock and then you have The Rock eyeing him in the back. You have four ready-made CM Punk matches before he even comes back. And that's not including the Drew match that we have. That was, again, the further beauty of what this press conference accomplished. They had a lot of plates spinning in the air, and they did uh, a really, just a masterful job. I, You know, it's neat, because I was right in between that. So, like, The Rock was on stage, and CM Punk was behind me. And you could hear on the floor CM Punk, all his comments via, like, you could hear it just crystal clear. And so The Rock, like, staring daggers over over my head to, to CM Punk's way was just, like, a compelling kind of visual to see. Are you, so, sure, are you sure he wasn't staring directly at you, Don? I, I was hoping not. I was hoping. He might have caught a couple eyes at my, me during the press conference. I don't know, but... Uh, Luckily, I think it was all on Punk this time around. But uh, no, and like you think about it, if you get Punk on commentary, plus the the complimentary ad, like chemistry that him and Big E already were able to show, you get Punk on commentary, you can set up so much of what he says on, on the air and turn that into a feud later on with several different kinds of talent, all kinds of talent. So my pitch, by the way, you got two nights of WrestleMania, you got Punk, you got Big E. Those should be your two hosts right there. Yeah. You let each one of them step in, utilize them on top of your commentary team. I think it would be, I think it'd be gold. Hey, I'm 100% for that. 100%. Real quick, uh, let's talk about some of the Elimination Chamber. You already mentioned it, and uh, that Drew's kind of the surefire, it almost seems, to go up against Seth here. Um, Randy Orton also qualified. Um, I, he defeated Sami Zayn, while Drew defeated AJ Styles uh, with the help of LA Knight. Um, so, what with the aspect of like drew likely probably facing Seth, where would you kind of put Randy Orton into this equation too, uh, moving forward with WrestleMania? 
so here's where I'm surprised about some of the results that we got. Mm -hmm. First of all, I did not think we were going to lose AJ Styles and Sami Zayn from being in the chamber based on where, where we were going. So I thought they were going to play a little bit more of a role going into that match. And I thought that the chamber match was going to set up what seemed like the best opportunity for Orton to have a fantastic in-ring contest, which would have been him against AJ Styles mm -hmm. at Mania, kind of the two lost guys who don't have something else of major consequence going on, whether that was AJ attacking Orton after he got eliminated or who knows what. But those guys have remarkable chemistry. Unfortunately, there's only so many spaces at the top, and they make perfect sense. It's a, it's a great marriage of convenience for AJ Styles and Randy Orton to work together. That would be my my guess. Um, Sami Zayn is somewhat the odd man out by yeah. not being part of the chamber and him telling this story as a, as a challenger, as a contender. He's someone who you can, whenever you need, you can heat Sami Zayn up. The audiences love him almost in the way they love Rey Mysterio. That was the beauty of Rey. Whenever you needed somebody in any role, you throw Rey in there. Whether he's a main event guy, he's an opening match guy, whatever it may be, the audience is always going to react. They're always going to cheer. They're emotionally invested in Rey. They're emotionally invested in Sami Zayn. It's not quite what we had at Chamber last year, but... You give him the like the, the empty arena promo he did with Jackie Redman, the promo he gave on SmackDown, the emotion he felt after he lost against Orton, a very strong, clean match. You got a couple places to go. I'm still holding out hope that we are going to get Sami Zayn being the guy to to uh, upend Gunther. Yeah, I it's going to be it's really interesting to see how that intercontinental title picture is going to play out because you have yeah, Sami Zayn, you have uh Jay Uso maybe in the mix. Who knows? Like I even made the suggestion too on uh uh Gagne and Magnum that like you could fit Randy Orton in there and be the guy that topples Gunther even somehow. But yeah, um it is interesting because you look at the trajectory of Sami Zayn, how white hot of an act he was back at like last year at this time. And then even LA Knight uh, you know, he was on commentary here for that. And he's still got an upcoming match against uh, Ivar, which I'm sure he would likely win. I couldn't imagine Ivar maybe doing that. But, I don't know. Yeah. I, if they're going for a, a unique imagery, maybe that's where they're going to put him. I, I, I've made my thoughts known on about LA Knight on here numerous times. I think he seems like a very nice guy. I think he caught on quickly, but doesn't have the underlying fundamentals to really be able to justify the position he's in and that's not necessarily just my opinion that from what we understand somewhat hunter's opinion but he's like let's give this guy a chance i'm a big ivar fan been a fan of him for a long time i think with eric going down with his neck fusion surgery ivar has stepped up as this really unique anomaly as a strong upper mid card heel see that'd be interesting too because you look at the previous work and how hyped up they were before they were the Viking Raiders as war machine and everything like that. It's just like they were really positioned well as big heavy hitters back then. So to get to that point to where he's at that level again, would be very, uh, very neat to see uh, put positioned at, in this new era of WWE kind of moving forward too. So well, um, lots of opportunity in WWE for the folks that are there to step up, but it looks like since uh, friends, since we were last together, 
some some big shifts have happened on the other side with our friends in All Elite Wrestling, Dom. That's correct. Yes, it looks, it appears, according to Fightful Select, that Okada is AEW bound. Uh, according to the report from Sean Rassap and Fightful, uh, it says that he's been agreed with the company for weeks. He's made an agreement. We're told that the deal was effectively agreed to the last couple of weeks, but we haven't confirmed that pen has been put to paper. As we're told, it is being finalized. Uh, Okada actually just finished uh, his run with New Japan, uh, got a victory over Hiroshi Tanahashi at New Beginning in Osaka. So, uh, yeah, and according to this too, WWE sources, uh, that they spoke to in Las Vegas also confirmed that there were talks between Okada and WWE. You think this is a good move for Okada jumping over to AEW when there's such a huge over saturation of talent, it seems, or is this a, is this a, the good move or bad move here, Robert? So I thought if Okada was serious about leaving Japan and coming over to the United States, the opportunity for him to make uh, the, his biggest statement was coming back to WWE. Mm-hmm. He is a very well-known wrestler within certain circles. And I would say if you're listening to this show, you are pretty well-versed in in Okada. But the audience that watches even AEW versus the audience that watches WWE, different audience, different footprint, different numbers. I think Shinsuke Nakamura is a perfect example of he was considered probably one of the best wrestlers in the world when he came over to WWE. But the WWE fan base, not super familiar with him, now he has thrived. He has a great extended career. Okada going to AEW, you're back in the sandbox where we've already seen him. It's not necessarily special or new or exciting. We've seen Okada of late, and I think part of the challenge is, same thing with Will Ospreay, the audience isn't going to view this as a huge new signing. It's, well, this is a guy we saw last year. He was part of Forbidden Door. It's great that he's here. Is he really that epic? And does he really have a ton of unique dream matches versus what he could have had if he was in WWE? Well, yeah, look at it this way, too. It's um, You see how some of these guys get positioned when they come into AEW. Like, I, I remember the excitement for like when Cesaro, now Claudio Casanova, obviously shows up in AEW and like, what are the possibilities that could happen there? And then now he's like just a, a guy in the mix, it seems. And then you have... Somebody like Okada that we, you mentioned has been seen already on AEW television. And AEW hasn't, to be forthright, hasn't done the best job at hyping up guys and, and presenting them starting off in the biggest way. It doesn't it doesn't pack as much as a punch. And when you have somebody like Okada, and if you were to go to somewhere like WWE, even if you put him at the level of NXT where he starts and makes a debut, that feels like a big deal too because, hey, he's cooking up against all these younger talent. And then you get that hype and speculation of like, Hey, when is he going to get up to the main roster? I think Okada opened himself up for a lot more opportunities by, if he were to go to WWE rather than AEW, because that seems like an uphill battle, even for main event talent there uh, to, to kind of get themselves over in a lot of ways. So, but on the other side of this, and it kind of goes back to what we've spent the majority of this episode talking about WWE right now at the top, has a tremendous amount of talent. And Okada, not necessarily a young guy, not a guy who's in pristine health. So to bring him in, you really need to maximize his minutes almost from day one, but you need time to educate him and get the audience familiar with who this guy is. And they're already trying to tell so many other stories. We've seen how Drew was able to get heated up at the right time now, but sort of at the expense of, 
Sami Zayn. We're talking about Seth Rollins, who's a world champion, being marginalized. So for them to go throw money at Okada when there's not a ton of room at the top right now, and it's not like he's a guy you can keep on the back burner for three to five years, maybe they felt the, from, from a monetary perspective, hey, we'll offer you a deal, and if you want to come in, be a team player like a Nakamura or an AJ Styles, fantastic. But I'm sure Tony, who needs someone to fill the void of with Kenny Omega being marginalized and on the shelf, uh, with them losing CM Punk, obviously prior losing uh, Cody Rhodes, Brian Danielson supposedly wrapping it up within the confines of the next year. They're going to overpay for a guy like Okada to bring in new eyeballs. So from a pocketbook perspective, it's a win for the Rainmaker. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds uh, and how they will ultimately position him. Hey, we want to get to Billy and the CW, so we better get cooking here. Um, <laughs> AEW Revolution's taking shape. Uh, either way, uh, Sting and Darby win the tag team titles, likely facing the Young Bucks, it seems. Then you also have uh, Brian Danielson, Eddie Kingston going one-on-one. -on -one. And hey, we got Swerve versus Hangman versus Samoa Joe as a triple threat match. What do you think of all this kind of laying out here, Robert, for uh, March 3rd? Huge fan of this Hangman Swerve Samoa Joe match. And, and just to touch on this for a second, because I hate to ruin a good narrative that I'm the WWE shill and that I hate everything AEW does and, and I'm critical of them and want to see them burn to the ground. Uh, I want AEW to thrive and succeed and become a strong alternative to WWE programming. But beyond that, if you watched that Swerve Hangman match from last week, uh, and had we been doing the show that Thursday after, I probably would have done 20 minutes just on it. The storytelling aspects of that match as an in-ring match that was a very solid back-and-forth contest, you pulled off a double turn. You laid out a number of really interesting stories within the confines of it, and now you are more emotionally invested in what happens going forward. So you can do the, the wrestling aspect of it and the sports entertainment aspect of it and, and merge it together because there's a, a comment here from Christopher Zanto who says that he loves wrestling. But he's not necessarily a fan of sports entertainment. Sports entertainment is where you are having a wrestling match that has some degree of emotional stakes to it and you care about what's happening. You're seeing that with Swerve and Hangman. That audience took that ride with those guys. I'm, I'm really excited about what they're going to do. The Young Bucks. So I've said it here repeatedly. People got mad at me. I wanted to see it be FTR. I know that FTR has faced Sting and, and Darby before, but as those guys loving the tradition and heritage of what Sting is, it would just be a great match. The Bucks with this current EVP character that's so insidery and so behind the curtain, you don't need that for Sting. You just need Sting wants one last match. He wants the best match possible to go out there and, and finish his story. You give him guys and let him wrestle. The, the biggest challenge for me, honestly, Young Bucks laying out Sting and Darby, and they're beating up Sting's sons, who are like 11 feet taller than the Bucks. It's just, it's, it's weird. I'm sure the match will be really good. I don't love them doing this kind of really behind-the-scenes smarky story for the Sting last match because you're going to get an audience of people who are going to tune in and you're, you're already in Greensboro. You're already in a entrenched and old school wrestling world. You don't need all the extra Gaga. You don't need the extra, you know, 
Fernum Snavitz gimmick bullshit that you've got going on here because people just want to see Sting one last time. They're going to tune in. You don't need backstory for it. You know, keep it simple. That's it. That's it. You know, uh, it's yeah. How they're adding that extra layer of like their EVPs and all that stuff. And then that it's, it, you don't want to muddy the waters basically is what it boils down to. And exactly straightforward. You want Stinger to kind of get that good send off. So, um, the execution of it will be, uh, hopefully come out on top, you know, and see how it goes. Um, all right, real quick. We'll finish up with this. Dang it. I want to get to Billy so bad. Tony Khan addresses only Dom. It's only day one. We got yeah. plenty of time. Okay. We'll, 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 we'll get there. We but promise, I, I want to make this debut mean something, you know, <laughs> the return. That's, Way to deliver on day one. It's you always want to under-promise and over-deliver, Dom. And if there's one thing I am good at, it is under-delivering. Uh, but yes, there's there's one other news item on here about our, our good buddy, king of big announcements, Tony Khan. Tony Khan, yes. So he spoke with Adrian Hernandez, not to be mixed up with Adrian Hernandez, the former slugger of the Seattle Mariners. But he uh, spoke during Super Bowl Media Row. Uh, to him, and he was asked about making those controversial tweets that he's been so well known for at this point, uh, calling out Triple H, this man, Shawn Michaels, Eric Bischoff, you name it. He's named a lot of guys, but he said, this is what he said, he has said, we have a great connection with the fans, so it's a good question, but I think we've been able to build real engagement at times, and I think there's tangible proof of that. And then he goes on to add, talk about the ratings and beating NBA and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Robert, do you equate Tony Khan's controversial tweets to kind of being tangible evidence for ratings? So the reason why he thinks that is because if you're following him on X and you want to see what crazy nonsense he's going to say, because you're following him, you're also going to see when he announces, you know, hey, great news. If you tune into Rampage, you're going to see J.D. Drake versus Commander. We have not seen them top a million viewers in a long time, it doesn't, it's not a great look for, for him to be the one that's doing that. I don't want to think that the guy who's running the company is on Twitter trying to provoke people, uh, and, and, you know, take shot. It's, it's weird. It's not what you want to see from the head of your company. You can have people that, that do that in your organization. That's fine, but you need to be kind of elevated a step above. We've seen it with, with triple H who, yes, in that press conference that he had, a lot of missteps there, but at least in terms of his overall social media presence and the way that he's been on media calls and, and interviews and whatnot, he comes across like a front office executive, not the guy who used to tell people to suck it. No, he, he keeps it very simple and to the point, and even in that uh, promotion of that vignette, he uh, kept it simple and was like, hey, are you ready? You know, that was it. That was it, so... Uh, Robert, you caught the Super Bowl like I did, like everybody did. There's a Steve Austin commercial. Uh, Stone Cold showed up uh, for Kawasaki. What'd you think of that? Total uh, surprise, just because it was a goofy commercial. They're driving by people, and all of a sudden they get mullets. I'm like, all right, I get the joke. I get the joke. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, there's Steve Austin. And then it's Steve Austin with a mullet. It's always great to see WWE guys on a major stage. Steve Austin is still a WWE guy. Yes, there was a John Cena voiceover for Honda. He's been their voice guy for a long time, but cool little cameo. Nice to see the influence of, of wrestling elsewhere. And my favorite part of the Super Bowl, on top of, yes, it was cool to see Taylor Swift or whatever, if that made you happy, I'm super happy for you. Uh, if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, hell of a day for you. I love the tradition 
of them being presented with the WWE title. And part of why I love Patrick Mahomes is he did it last year. He did it again this year. He proudly carries that thing around right after he wins. And it's a cool visual. It's a cool moment for, for wrestling fans to see that kind of inclusion, Dom. It very much shows across the board how universal pro wrestling can be. And it's uh, neat to see somebody like a three-time MVP now at this juncture, Patrick Mahomes, be carrying a belt around. So uh, title. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. He carries a title around, Dom. A My belt that you hold up your pants. <laughs> you WWE Let me tell you, you are one. <laughs> all right. Well, hey. First episode in the books. Not too bad, Robert. I like it. This was fantastic, man. This uh, this was great. So happy for you guys that tuned in live on uh, on YouTube, on X. Uh, I know we're streaming on uh, on the WWE Creative-ish Twitter account. We're streaming on yours, Rumor and Innuendos. S.E. Scoops joining the Rumor and Innuendo universe. Uh, and we'll be back on ad-free shows as well. There was a, a schedule conflict today. They were recording something else at this time, but we'll be there. You also, if you missed the video and or you just want to listen to us in the audio portion, I know a lot of folks like to listen uh, at at the gym. Um, my my wife's uh, father-in-law told me he enjoyed listening to us. He listens to the show at the on the gym, so he's happy to have it back. Where wherever your podcasts are available, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, you name it. Uh, my last ask before we get to our plugs and all that other stuff, we're back. We're here. Spread the word. Go on the uh, go on the iTunes gimmick or the, the Apple podcast uh, app. Give us a five star review. Give us a nice review. And if you're new to the show because you're a big Dom fan, you wanted to you know check this stuff out here every Friday. Uh, we dip into those Apple reviews. We read some of them online. We, we, we do this for the love of the game, Dom. We, we love being able to talk wrestling, have this community with you guys, and we'll be here Monday through Friday at noon Eastern. Dom, what do you want to plug for the fine folks? Sure, yeah. You can follow me on Twitter down below, at Dominic D'Angelo. Uh, be sure to tune in to the RVD podcast, One of a Kind with RVD. I go live. Actually, tonight I'll be going live, Mr. Monday night, at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time with Rob and we'll, for the live recording of our episode. So tune into that. Go to rvdtv.com to get all the clips and all the full episodes there. That'll really help us out. And then also do uh, GagneInMagnum.com. That's the YouTube channel for uh, Straight Talk with the Boss with Magnum TA and Greg Gagne. I host that. Go there, subscribe. we got a lot of good content. They both follow the current product, so it's uh, very insightful from a historical standpoint and a modern standpoint. So check all those out. Uh, I'm sure I can plug a lot of other stuff. Oh, SEScoops.com. Absolutely, yeah. Go to there. Uh, Mike does a great job. I'm happy to be working for them. Uh, and I'm happy to be airing this on here there too. So check out scscoops.com for all your good, uh, wrestling news needs that we don't fulfill for you here. And, uh, we, we fulfill everyone's needs here, Dom. That's what we're, <laughs> that's what we're all about, man. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WW creative underscore I S H. And you can listen to my other podcast, wrestle roasts, uh, hosted with, uh, Dan St. Germain, Mike Lawrence and Scott Chaplin. Uh, so Episode one, man, we're in the book. So on behalf of the fresh and clean, brand new Dominic D'Angelo, I'm Robert Karpolis. Best of luck in your future endeavors. We'll see you next time. Tomorrow on Rumor and Innuendo.